Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. It's a privilege to be here and to stand behind this desk. I give honor to my pastor and first lady this morning. While you're finding in your Bibles the book of Haggai chapter 2, I just want to admonish you this morning to to take a journey with me. I have a, a destination that we're headed and uh, ask that you have patience with me and and in hope and prayer at the end we'll reach that, that destination. The book of Haggai chapter 2 verse 1. In the seventh month, in the one and twentieth day of the month, came the word of the Lord by the prophet Haggai saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shatil, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, and to the residue of the people, saying. The word residue there means the remainder or the, rem- the remnants of the people, the people that are left over. They're, they're the ones who's there. They're the ones who are about to take on the task that Haggai is trying to motivate them to do. Verse 3, Who is left among you that saw this house in her first glory. And how do you see it now? Is it not in your eyes in comparison of it as nothing? Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, saith the Lord, and be strong, O Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, and be strong, all ye people of the land, saith the Lord, and work. Everybody say, and work. For I am with you, saith the Lord of hosts, according to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt. So my spirit remaineth among you, fear ye not. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, yet once it is a little while, and I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations, and the desire of all nations shall come, and I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter house shall be greater Then of the former, saith the Lord of hosts, and in this place will I give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. Father, I love you, and I'm so thankful that you've allowed us to come together into this holy house. I'm thankful that we didn't come along, Lord, but you are here with us, and the spirit of the Holy Ghost rests upon us. It rests in this house, and your spirit flows up and down these aisles and these pews, and it's because of that that you bring encouragement and peace and hope into our lives. What I ask of you today is that you open our minds and our hearts because we need to draw from the strength of the Lord today. And it's through the Word of God that we gain this strength. And I'm thankful, I'm thankful in Jesus' name, amen. Before you're seated, turn to your neighbor and tell them how glad you are that they're in church with you this morning. I have asked Sister Brittany, I'm going to read the same text to you this morning. I understand it's quite lengthy reading, but I want, to, I want us to get a point. And I want to read uh, this same text from the Message Bible. Haggai 2 and 1 from the Message. On the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of God came through the prophet Haggai. Tell Governor Zerubbabel, son of Shatil, and the high priest Joshua, son of Jehozadak, and all the people, is there anyone who saw the temple the way it used to be, all glorious? And what do you see now? Not much, right? So get to work, Zerubbabel. God is speaking. Get to work, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, high priest. Get to work, all you people. God is speaking. 
Yes, get to work, for I am with you. The God of the angel armies is speaking. Put into action the word I covenanted with you when you left Egypt. I'm living and breathing among you right now. Don't be timid. Don't hold back. This is what God of the angel armies said. Before you know it, I will shake up sky and earth, oceans and fields, and I'll shake down all the godless nations. They'll bring bushels of wealth, and I will fill this temple with splendor. God of the angel's army says so. I own the silver. I own the gold. The decree of God of the angel of armies. And finally, this temple is going to end up far better than it started out. A glorious beginning, but an even more glorious finish. A place in which I will hand out wholeness and holiness Decree of God of the angel armies. This morning for the next few minutes, I just want to talk to you from this subject of working for a cause. In our text this morning, we have read that the children of Israel have grown weary in the construction of the house of the Lord. They've grown weary, if you will, in doing kingdom work. And Haggai has received a word of inspiration from the Lord, and the Lord is speaking words of encouragement through the prophet Haggai. The children of Israel have found themselves discouraged and dismayed, and they have allowed themselves to become sidetracked, if you will. They have allowed themselves to get caught up in the things of life. The things that are important like the house of God, the word of God, and the kingdom of God, and working in the kingdom have become less important to these children of Israel. I know it's been said so many times, and I hate to sound repetitive this morning, but our lives, we too are susceptible to this. We have to constantly be on guard. We have to always be aware of our surroundings, and it's easy to get off course, and it's it's so easy to become complacent about working in the kingdom of God. That's why Paul admonished us in 1 Corinthians 15 and 58. He said, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. That is why the preached word of God is so important to you and I. It motivates it encourages, it inspires, and it brings strength, and it challenges us to be more and to do more for the kingdom of God. I, I want to be motivated to do the work of God. I want to be a part of the kingdom, not, not for my sake, but I want to be a part of something that's bigger than I am, and I want to be part of something that's moving forward, and the kingdom of God is moving forward. Over the past decade or more, especially since the introduction of MySpace and, and Facebook and Twitter, motivational quotes or, or slogans, if you will, have become extremely popular. They come in the form of bumper stickers and T-shirts and some and even yard signs. You can comment on them. You can tweet them. You can share them. You can tag them. You can post them. Let me know what I'm talking about. Posters or a picture that is followed by an inspirational saying underneath the picture. I'm sure that some of you here today have them in your workplace or perhaps in your shop or in your home. I found it interesting and I read where that a company decided to create and, and promote some demotivational posters. I'd like to share just a few of them with you. The first one in big bold letters said mistakes. It could be that the purpose of your life is only to serve as a warning to others. <laughs> Doubt. In the battle between you and the world, bet on the world. Humiliation. The harder you try, the more foolish you look. Losing. If at first you don't succeed, it could be that losing is just your style. And despair, finally, despair. It's always darkest just before it goes pitch dark. <laughs> we laugh at these. We laugh at these this morning because all of us know what discouragement feels like. And the truth be told, sometimes in this life, it feels more often like we're discouraged than encouraged. And if we're not careful, these demotivational posters that we've spoke of this morning can become very real 
in our lives. And that's why as apostolics, ladies and gentlemen, we must rely on the Holy Ghost and the very Word of God to be the strength and to be our rock. That's why David said in Psalms 18 and 1, he said, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. He's my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation in my high tower. The children of Israel faced a situation in the 6th century before the birth of Jesus after they had spent 70 years in exile away from their homeland, they have finally now returned to Jerusalem. Seventy years earlier, the Babylonians had completely destroyed the city of Jerusalem, and they had tore down the temple that Solomon had built. So these returning Israelites would come, and they would rebuild the walls of Jerusalem under the leadership of Nehemiah. And they laid the foundation to rebuild a new temple under the leadership of Ezra. But then they lost their focus. And for 18 years, there was no progress in rebuilding the temple. So God raised up Haggai. And he, he raised Haggai to challenge them to get their priorities back in line with God's priorities. If you would read the first chapter of Haggai, you will find where his first sermon to the people was a message about priorities and how they spend their time and their money. And that when their priorities are misplaced, life stops working. But when they realign their priorities with God's priorities, then once again the blessings of God begin to flow back into their lives. And, and God begins to, to pour out things in their lives that they can't contain. Does that mean that everything is all right with the children of Israel? No, but when our priorities are lined up with God's, God's going to work our lives out. He said he would supply all our needs. I find nowhere in Scripture where he said wants, but he used the word needs. But soon again there was discouragement, and they began to talk about how things used to be. And as we can read in our Bibles, Solomon's temple was a magnificent masterpiece of architecture, ornamentation, this temple was filled with the most precious metals and gems and stones and the craftsmanship was like no other. And as the people of Haggai's generation looked at this second temple that they were constructing, it looked like nothing in comparison to the one that Solomon had built. And I admonish you today that we can't look at how the church used to be. The church is moving forward. And things are going to change. God has to realign some things. And sometimes God has to pave a new way. And when he's doing this, it's important that we follow after the will and the plan of God. And we can't hash and, and reminisce about how it used to be. And we didn't used to do it like that way. But God is taking the church into a new era. And it's important when he's moving and shifting the church that, that we stay in the boat. Don't step out of the boat. And get away from what God is moving us to. Solomon had built the first temple during the golden age of Israel's history. Israel's borders extended further than they had ever extended before and, and further than they ever have since. And during this golden age, people came from all other nations to see the temple that Solomon built. They came from everywhere to see and hear of Solomon's wisdom. To witness for themselves the beauty and grandeur of what Israel had become. But in Haggai's generation, Israel was occupied territory. Even though they were back in their homeland, they were subservient to the Persian Empire. Their economy was struggling. And the second temple they were building seemed almost pitiful in comparison to Solomon's temple. We as the church are very similar today. We're living in occupied territory because this world is not our home. And we're just passing through. We are facing economic struggle, and on every front there seems to be trouble and chaos. But I've come here to remind somebody this morning that he owns all the gold, and he owns all the silver. And what may seem and deem as a struggle to us is no struggle for the God that I serve. Things sometimes seem like they are not what they used to be. But I want to tell you that they are not what they used to be. They are not. The world has changed. And very similar to the days of Noah, God is about to do something about it. We know what he did in the days of Noah. 
And we know what he's promised he's going to do in our day. Elder Brother Gibson so aptly stated a couple of Wednesday nights ago, he's coming back. And he's coming back for a church, for a bride that's ready, the the body of Christ. And we've got to be ready, and we've got to stay ready. And you stay ready for the returning of the Lord by one simple task, and that's working in the kingdom. You apply yourself to kingdom work, and you'll be ready. In the minds of the children of Israel, this second temple would never match the glory or the greatness of the first temple that Solomon had built. They felt like their contribution was insignificant. You know, the devil has a very unique way of making us feel like that our contribution to the church or to the activities of the church are insignificant. He has a way of making us feel like that if we was not even here, we would, we would not even be missed. No one would recognize that we weren't and was not in our pew. And he makes us believe that what you or I do for the kingdom of God, it, it, it really doesn't matter If I did it or didn't, it wouldn't make much difference if I didn't show up today and participate. But I want to tell you today that that's a lie. That's a lie from the pits of hell, and the church needs everyone. Everyone is important. Whatever God's called you to do, you do it with your whole heart. You don't waver or default from your commitment, but you allow the power of God to work through you, and you do what God's called you to do. The children of Israel have found themselves asking the question, How could this new temple the people were rebuilding even begin to compare with Solomon's? God asked the people, is there any of you who can still remember the splendor of the temple before? Can any of you remember how it used to be? Few could remember only from stories, but everyone imagined how great it must have been and how insignificant. And how pitiful this work that they was doing for the Lord must look in the eyes of someone like Solomon. What was it? What was it that caused the people to become discouraged? What made them quit working for the kingdom? I submit to you this morning that they had the wrong perspective or the wrong focus. They were focused on the wrong thing. Solomon had give fair warning of this in Ecclesiastes. He said, Say not thou, what is the cause that the former days were better than these? For thou dost not inquire wisely concerning this. What Solomon is saying there is the only thing good about the good old days is that they're old. They're old. We make the same mistake. Our perspective can sometimes be wrong. Instead of looking forward, We look back at the old days rather than having faith to move forward. We find ourselves becoming discouraged and and stuck in the past. And God does not want us to live in the past. It's not spiritually healthy to think how much better it used to be in the days gone by. In other words, when we think of the good old days, we look back through using rose-colored glasses. We only see the good. We don't see all the bad. I admonish you this morning at the conclusion of this service to take some of our elders by the hand and have them tell you a story about how it used to be to have to come a few hours early before church and get the stove hot so that the church would be warm. What it used to be like to teach Sunday school under a shade tree. We don't have to live in the past, ladies and gentlemen. God has positioned and he's moving the church into the future. And it's a wrong perspective that focuses on the past with no hope for the future. We have hope for our future. A wrong perspective seeks to resurrect the good old days instead of looking ahead for even greater days. The church of Jesus Christ is not called to move backwards or to retreat, but we're called to move forward. We're an army marching forward, and we march forward with the power of the Holy Ghost. Please don't misunderstand me this morning. And please understand what I'm trying to say. I am so thankful for our forefathers. I'm so thankful for our elders. And I'm thankful for our heritage and our sacrifice. You'd have to look a long ways to find someone who has greater respect than I do for our apostolic heritage and our apostolic history. However, in saying that, I don't believe that for one minute that those that have gone on before us would want you and I reliving in their past. They would admonish us. What I believe that they would shout from the grave this morning if they could would be, don't stop. 
keep pressing. Keep revival fires burning. Do not let my work be in vain. And above all else, above all else, keep working for the cause. They would tell us this morning not to allow ourselves to become discouraged and don't allow ourselves to lose hope and strength and courage. You know, encouragement can only come from someone who possesses strength or hope. If you find yourself in the company of someone who is all the time down and out in the glooms, you too will quickly find yourself there. But it seems like when you surround yourself with positive people, people that are encouragers, people that can lift you up, you gain encouragement. And that's what the Lord does for us. Haggai is saying, O Zerubbabel, be strong. O Joshua, high priest, be strong. All the people of the land work, for I am with you. God gives his people strength three times. Three times he told his people to be strong. And how can discouraged people be strong? Can they strengthen themselves by pulling up their own bootstraps? No, no, no. I can't be strong in myself today. You can't be strong in yourself. But with the power of God, with his spirit, he encourages us. He brings us hope and we gain strength through him. Doing God's work cannot be done by using our energy. God's work can only be done through the power of the Holy Ghost. The prophet Zechariah had the same message for this same group of people. He said, Then he answered and spake unto them, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. God is speaking to Zerubbabel here and the people of Israel that the work that he's called them to do will not be completed by their efforts or their energy. God didn't call you and I to leave us here to do this work on our own. But he's called us out and he's asked us to do something for the kingdom and he's assured us and he's promised us that he's going to give us the strength. He's going to give us what it takes to, to push forward. God spoke to this people to bring them courage they needed in order to complete the work. He came to change their perspective and open their eyes to the reality of a glory that was to come. And I'm telling you now, ladies and gentlemen, the best is yet to come. I don't care what's going on in the world, the chaos, the insanity, the finest hour, the best is yet to come for the church of Jesus Christ. I, I believe the promise that, that God made to Israel still holds true for us today. What God has begun, He will finish. And I am excited and I'm looking for the move and the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm, I'm, I'm not concerned what's going on with the world, Brother Rayleigh. I, I'm not oblivious to what's going on, but I, I'm not going to allow myself to be caught up in that because he's promised me in the last day that he's going to pour out his spirit upon all. And I want to be a part of that and I want to be witness to that. There is no greater time to be serving God and working in the kingdom than right now. I believe that right now Peter is looking down. I believe that Paul is looking down. I believe that Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Timothy, they all stand and stare over the banister of heaven. And they're looking saying, what a marvelous time. Why couldn't we be there? Look at the opportunities. Look at the souls that are presented before the people of God. I believe that those who have gone on before us would relish in the opportunity to work in the kingdom today. We've been given a great responsibility, but we've also been given a, a tremendous privilege in this day and hour. We don't have the time to reminisce about how it used to be. And, and I don't want to paint an unclear picture this morning. Let me be very clear. I am thankful for the tent revivals. I'm thankful for the sawdust floors. It's because of the price that they paid that we stand here today. It's because of the sacrifices of those that we stand here today. And I, I love to hear the stories, but I don't want to relive the stories. I want to live my own stories for the kingdom of God. It's enjoyable to hear the stories. Brother Danny, my uncle, many of you know, he's one of the greatest illustrators that there is. And I love to hear him tell stories of, of the revivals they used to have. And I guess my favorite story would be... Would, I'm assuming it took place around in the, the late 60s or the, perhaps the early 70s. But Uncle Danny and Aunt Jane and I think my mom and some others were seeking the Holy Ghost. They'd been seeking the Holy Ghost a long time. And evangelist after evangelist had come through. And, 
And, and finally, and a, his, his name eludes me, but an evangelist has come through and he's assured them that they're going to receive the Holy Ghost this week. And as the revival drew close to an end, in his well of excitement, he took off running and inclined them to join them, to join him. He went out the back of the old church that sat over here and he made a loop around the church. And as they got out from around the church, Uncle Danny was behind him and they got out of the, the view of the light. And Uncle Danny said he heard it. <clears throat> and before he knew it, he was on top of the man and he had run into a pine tree. Now, I'm thankful for the excitement of those in the past. And I, I'm thankful that there are stories to tell. But I want to be able to tell my nephews and children my own stories. I want to be able to tell them how we've worshipped and magnified and, and how we've praised the Lord because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He, he never changes. This church never changes. It's people that change. It's you and I that change. Israel's acts of rebellion and their distrust and their disobedience and their sin had brought them to the brink of destruction. And the reason why they fell prey to those things was because of one reason. They quit working. When you quit working in the kingdom of God, you become disconnected. And when you allow yourself to disconnect from the kingdom and from the church, you begin to lose interest, and it's then that the enemy has a way. He, you leave him an opening to reach, and when he starts tugging at your heart and you're not plugged into the Lord, he wins. And that's why it's important for us to stay plugged in to the church because God was with them, and he will be with us. He made a promise, and the God I serve, his promises never fail. They're yea and amen. God is getting his bride ready for the marriage supper of the Lamb. He's calling his people out of the world into a closer walk with him. Right here in this church, we have heard tremendous messages in the past few months, stirring, encouraging, inspiring messages. We've watched as the Holy Ghost moves in this place. God, God, God is not through. What God is asking is us to just come a little closer Come into a closer relationship with Him. Summarizing our text this morning, what the Lord is saying through Haggai is, can you remember the former glory of the presence of God in, in the house of God? Can you remember the power and the presence of the Holy Ghost that once filled your soul? How is it for you now? Does the glory seem to have dimmed or departed? Is the presence of the Lord as real as it was then when you first received it on that night that you shouted all across the front? Is that same fire and intensity and passion still burning as it was then? For many, sadly, what the church is today is nothing much more than an empty shell of what it once was. And people wonder, how long, oh God, will you allow the church to go on like it is without letting your judgment fall upon us. Will you send a revival one more time? Will you fill us afresh with the great power of the Holy Ghost? And what some fail to realize is he's doing that right now. He hasn't changed. He's still pouring it out. There used to be an old saying, I want to be under the spout where the glory pours out. Well, let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, he's pouring it out all over. Just reach up and plug in, and you'll receive what he has for us. Church, the church belongs to God, and the church is made up of people. And when there's a problem in the church, it's not a problem with God. It's a problem with the people. And this attitude and this perspective comes from being idle in the kingdom. When you're not working in the kingdom of God, you're not plugged into the Spirit of God. And when you're not plugged into the Spirit of God, you can't see. You have no idea what God is really doing in the church. Look at what God has to say to those who will draw nigh unto Him. He said, be strong and fear not. My covenant will not fail. My Spirit shall be with you. He's saying, keep on serving me just a little longer. Don't stop. Don't waver in your commitment. Keep working in the kingdom because I'm still pouring out my spirit. I'm still sending blessings your way. 
but I need you to do something for me. The day is not coming, church. The day is here now. When God is shaking the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land, and he's going to shake all the nations and get our attention. You just look at the recent disasters. And this week alone, what has transpired across our country, not even to mention the Middle East, God is calling for a separation. He's calling for a commitment, and he's calling for us to be sanctified. And he's calling for his bride to make herself ready for the coming of the Lord. He's calling for the church, this church, to work in his kingdom. I love the part where God says that the desire of all nations shall come, and he will fill this house with his glory. Let us be very careful to answer the call. Let us be holy and separated. I want to be sanctified, not sanctimonious, but I want to be sanctified, and I want to be right with him. And whatever it is he has for me to do, I want to lend my ear to him, and I want to be obedient to his word. But he is getting his church ready. And how God gets the church ready, and how you and I stay ready, and how we prepare ourselves for the coming of the Lord is by preaching this truth, by spreading this gospel message, by working in the kingdom, and by working for a cause. We have a tremendous cause to work for today. Jesus said, My Father worketh hitherto, and I work. He said, I must work the works of him that sent me, while it is day, the night come, when no man can work. Paul said, Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because he shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work. Paul also said, and that ye study to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you. And I really like this one in 2 Thessalonians. Paul and Timothy said, for even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any of you would not work, neither should he eat. Hebrews said, for God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love which ye have showed toward his name, and that ye have ministered to the saints and still do minister. And finally, God, in the final chapter of Revelation, said, And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. We are admonished to work some 68 times in the New Testament. So it's pretty apparent That once we've been washed by the blood of the Lamb, once we've been filled with His Spirit, once we've become a child of God, that's not it. It's not over. But it has only just begun. Now it's time to complete what He saved you for. You know, you may say this morning, Jerry, well, I don't have any talents. I don't have any abilities. But I just want to reaffirm something that everybody in this house already knows. Little is much when God is in it. All he needs is you and I. He needs no talent. He needs nobility. Ability. He needs a vessel. You know, I'm always amazed at how God can take people and use them to, to encourage or, or to speak a word into someone's life. Um, I certainly don't want to embarrass him this morning, but he is my good friend, so... I think he'll be all right with it. But on Thursday nights, some of us go to MCI and we teach a personal development Bible study. And I spend an hour, sometimes an hour and 15 minutes up there talking and just studying and the Word of God. And it's always amazing to me at the end of the, at the, end of the study when it's time for everyone to, to leave and go back that, the men are thanking you for coming and you're shaking hands and hugging necks and, and someone tells me, thank you, Brother Jerry, but let me tell you, let me tell you what Brother Donnie said to me at the beginning of this service. And don't get me wrong, I'm so thankful for the encouraging word, but I want to say sometimes, well, I just talked an hour and a half <laughs> and Brother Donnie talked five minutes and you got all of that? <laughs> I'm not slighted by that one bit. But God loves to work through his people. He doesn't need a microphone. He doesn't need a podium. 
He doesn't need this house. What he needs is a vessel, and it's through that vessel that he works. You know, I've been part of outreach. It's You're caught up in conversation sometimes, and people say, well, I don't feel comfortable in that environment. I really don't feel like that that is my calling. And I, I'm painting with a broad brush here this morning, so whatever, don't read too far into this. Understand me, I want to be clear. I'm not denouncing the importance of a calling. If you're not called by God, and if God hasn't placed his anointing on you, you're not going to be very effective. Having said that, however, I firmly believe that God uses us sometimes in uncomfortable situations to teach us. I I believe it's to build our faith. I believe it's to encourage us or, or If you will, for lack of a better word, I I believe sometimes God uses things that we're not comfortable with to train us and to teach us. Brother Bobby, I am confident that the first time that you prayed aloud in a hospital room that you were intimidated. I'm sure that you felt fear and trepidation. But as you continue to do that and as God increased your faith and, and as you begin to work in the move of God, God began to build faith. And now I I am confident that Brother Bobby would pray for the president on the White House lawn if need to be because of uncomfortable situations that he's been in. God has lifted him and elevated him into a work of prayer. So I, I think it's very important. I think it's very important that we be careful when we proclaim that, well, this or that, that's, that's not for me. That, that's not my calling. Noah was uncertain about building the ark. Moses didn't want to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. Abraham did not want to take Isaac on top of the mountain. And Jonah certainly didn't want to go to Nineveh. But he did. And a whole city was saved because he eventually followed the will of God. I wonder how many of us here today and I say this respectfully, have been swimming around in the belly of the proverbial whale because we don't like what God has called us to do. And because of that, there are still family members that are lost. There's loved ones that are lost. There's hundreds that we come in contact with every day that are lost because we don't like what God has called us to do. What I'm trying my best to convey this morning, ladies and gentlemen, is that he's coming back. He's coming back. And he needs a church that's willing to go above and beyond. A church that will take Matthew and 28, Matthew 28, 19 to heart and go out into our world. That's what he's asking. Don't be overwhelmed by the word all the world. He's asking us to go into our world. That, that's what he's called us to reach is, is our world. You see, the power of God is not limited to where, what, when, or how it can move. It can and will move anywhere. Sometime, let me be careful here. Sometime back, I was engaged with a conversation And someone said to me, Jerry, I sure do miss those Sunday night church services. Well, we'd, we'd tear it up. We'd tear it up on Sunday nights. I missed that. that. That got my week off to a great start. I felt on fire. I felt plugged in. I was a little taken back. So the, the only way I knew how to respond was to respond from my heart. And I said, well, I I feel the power and the presence of the Lord every Sunday evening. I have felt the power of the Holy Ghost inside of a chain-link fence as Brother Everett baptized another soul in Jesus' name. Brother Rayleigh, I felt the power of the Holy Ghost sitting on a picnic table with you teaching about Joseph and when you're talking about David. And how David had made mistakes in his life. But because he turned to God, God moved and used David in a mighty way. I have felt the power of the Holy Ghost so strong, Brother Allen, as we play and sing praises unto God before some elderly folks and as tears begin to roll down their face. And I have felt 
the power and the Holy Ghost as God moves and heals those that we lay hands upon. So don't discount that because we're not having church on Sunday morning or Sunday evenings that the power of God is still not moving because, you see, God's not relegated to this house. We, we put him in this box. He doesn't stay in this box, but he's on the outside and he's moving here and he's moving there. And what he's saying is for us to come up, come up with him and move and do his work because we're working for a cause. Let's clap our hands to the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. As a matter of fact, I think it brings joy to all of heaven when the power of the Holy Ghost moves and demonstrates itself outside of these walls. So it's just not contained in here, but all, all get to see it, saved and unsaved alike. Paul and Timothy in 1 Thessalonians 5, and I'm going to jump around here a little bit, but they said, but of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. Verse 2, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. We move to verse 6. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. The word sober there means to be alert, to be working, to be, to be ready. Verse 12. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them barely, very highly in love for their works' sake and be at peace among yourselves. Look what happens when you work for the kingdom. Peace. Peace. You want peace in your life? You do something for God. You want to feel joy in your life? You do something for God. Jesus said in Luke 2 and 49, How is it that you sought me? Wished you not that I must be about my father's business? He's speaking to his father and mother here who knew what he had to do. They, they, they knew what he was doing on this earth. And he said, why, why are you looking for me? You know what I'm doing. I don't say this as a statement of boast or arrogance, but I want people to know what I'm doing. It's not about me, but I want them to say, if you want to look for Jerry, if you want to find Jerry, he's doing work for the kingdom. He's working for the cause because we've got a cause that we're working for, and that cause is he's coming back. He's coming back for a church. I believe that we are seen among apostolics today is a state of apathy. And as our musicians come, I'm going to tr quickly try to wrap this up. What I mean by that is there is a lack of emotion or interest for the lost. Bear with me. We believe the Bible is true. We believe He's coming back. But this world has gone so far over the edge that in our minds, we've written most off. They can't be saved. We're saved. We're here in this house. Just wait on the coming of the Lord. Wait on the Lord to get here. The country can, can go to crumbles. The world can end. It's no secret that the world is coming to an end. That's in the book. It's in the back. We've read it. But it is not the will of God. Hear me. It is not the will of God that we sit back and cross our arms and wait for the world to end and wait for Him to come back and get us. He has placed us here to work in the kingdom and to be busy, busy about His business until He returns. And the only way to stay busy, the only way to stay plugged into the power of God, the only way to work in the kingdom is you've got to get planted. You've got to get rooted. And you've got to get grounded in the church. And this church, and I'm not talking about just this church, I'm talking about the apostolic church. You've, you've got to make sure that God in church is center of everything. If He's not, if He's not, disease can creep in and, and things can happen. Uh, this is a very, very poor illustration, but it's the only one that comes to mind. We have just come through one of the most difficult 
planting seasons that we have ever had due to cold weather and many other things. But one important thing in transplanting a plant is that you have to make sure that it's, that it's rooted. We have an implement on the back of a tractor that punches a hole in the shape of a pyramid. And it's the people riding on the back of the implement. It's their job to pull the plant from the tray that also has a pyramid-shaped cone root system. And it's their job to push that into the ground. And at the same time they're pushing, we need them to take their fingers and pull some dirt over the top. If you leave the plant exposed, there's fungus, there's bacteria, there's all kind of diseases in the air that can kill the plants. It's so important that we hire another man just to walk behind and make sure that that's done properly. It's so important that 50% of my day during planting season is spent walking from row to row behind tractor after tractor trying to make sure but even after all of that, sometimes we have mistakes. And when that plant is not planted properly, six out of ten of those plants will die. Now, I'm not concerned about the dead plants. I'm not being harsh, but I'm not concerned about the ones that die and fall by the wayside. I've got to make a crop with the ones that's alive. I can't worry about them. But what terrifies me and what, what keeps us in constant stress is the four that do make it. Because they didn't get planted properly, they're going to be susceptible to disease and fungus and bacteria. And as that plant grows, it stretches and it reaches. It starts overlapping other vines. And then they begin to... They begin to take on the disease and the bacteria and the fungus. And if you're not careful and if you don't stay on top of it, before you know it, you've lost a whole crop over one plant. And what I'm talking about this morning, ladies and gentlemen, ain't planting watermelons, but we've got to get rooted in the church. We've got to get grounded. And you can't just drop in here on Sunday and Wednesday and think that God's going to make everything all right. But you've got to pull some Holy Ghost and you've got to pull some peace and you've got to pull some joy into your life because if we don't have the strength of the Lord in our lives, we will not make it. Hallelujah. 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 I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the church. But the church was not meant to carry us along and nurse us. There are people that will come into the church that needs nursing and caring for. And it's our responsibility to bring them on up and then they'll reach a stage where that comes up. The church is designed for you and I to be always moving and working and abounding in the work of the Lord. I'm quickly trying to... Can I have five more minutes, Pastor? You know, I, I couldn't help, but... We was at men's conference. We, I, I know I've been talking about old times, but... We was at men's conference, and they were singing some songs, Brother Chris and them, and I love these new praise and worship songs that are not real fast. They're, they're kind of slow, but we can, oh, we can raise our hands and we can dance around and shout a little bit. I like to move around. And, and I watched at men's conference, on, I believe it was on Friday night. It looked like family camp. There were so many men there worshiping and praising the Lord. And it was to some slow songs. And my mind raced back to when I was a boy. And my mother would stand up here and, she would lead songs like Camping in Canaan Land. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. Some of them songs we'd start out at about 25, but when they got through, we was running 77. I can remember we almost had to keep a sheetrock man on payroll because we were around the corner back there, and Brother Junior, y'all put your hands through the walls sometimes, and I was just a boy, and I would hold them up, but I would get right about here, and Brother Junior, somebody would have to pick me up and move me over. They'd run around me. And nothing's changed. We've changed, but the church hasn't changed. That same power 
that same power that we felt back then is still here today. It's still here today. I can remember those songs and, and I can remember it would be time to sing a slow song and you better rest. You know, it was time to rest. You, back then you didn't worship and get all excited in a slow song. When slow songs come on, it was time to catch your breath because you, you was pretty confident that Sister Donna Tumman was fixing to come up and she was going to sing, Devil don't want no shouting around here tonight. And so you had to make sure that you was charged up and ready. But I can remember sitting there and they would hit the key of D on the piano and it would be a slow song so everybody was just going to take it easy. And somebody would beller out that old chorus. I don't even remember who sings it. But they said, I believe he's coming back like he said. And you'd see a You'd see a foot go to patting, and somebody would get a little antsy, and they'd sing it in. I believe that the trumpet's going to sound so loud. One day it'll wake up the dead. And by now, some have already started to stand, and they begin to lift their hands, and they begin to praise the Lord, and they say, in the twinkling of an eye, he'll split. The eastern sky, and I believe he's coming back like he said. If you believe that this morning, would you stand across this house? Would you give him the praise and glory and honor that he's due? He's coming back for a church, and I wonder what we'll be working for the cause when Jesus returns. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806. Or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.